podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Hello and welcome to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Hey. Hey. Pod 470. Let me get a cough out of the early doors. <clears throat> Jim, that's a very unprofessional way to start, but never mind. Palace were unprofessional this week, so that's fine. They keep, they can keep them with it. Um, yeah, Pod 470. Two games to review this week. 0-0 draw with Everton and a 2-0 defeat away at Wolves. And to do that with me, I have marathon legend, Grace Matheson. Grace, how are you feeling after, well, not just Sunday... Saturday and Tuesday. Well, it's been quite quite the week. Um, yeah, no, all good. What a, what an introduction. Not going to get one like that again, I don't think. So I'll milk it for all it's worth. Well, yeah. we we will put. Are you still taking donations? I think, aren't you? So, yes, um, yeah. donations very much still open and appreciated. We'll put a link below the show notes so people can uh, can donate. But yeah, well done, well done for doing the marathon. And I'm sure there are probably other listeners who have maybe done it as well. Um, so anybody out there that did the marathon on Sunday, well done to you because just watching those people go off the finish line made me feel uh, very tired indeed. So I can't imagine what you guys have gone through. So absolutely brilliant. Uh, also here is Joe Walker. Joe, how you doing? I'm good, thank you. Uh, didn't do the marathon. I did, you know, the marathon march last year was enough for me, and, and even that, that you know, I had to go around with you, so it was it was a little bit more strenuous than it could. And that, to be honest, Matt, <laughs> every year that does me in massively. I can't imagine. Although, what I love about the marathon march is there's everyone, all the like the organisers and like people up at the front are always like. Do you know what? It's worse than running a marathon. It's worse than running because it's a, it, it's longer day. I'm thinking. I don't think it is. Like, I, whatever you need to tell yourself to get through the day, fair enough. But I think running consistently yeah. for 26 miles, probably a little bit worse. But Quiet. I've, I've also found myself I've, having to frame it very carefully when I talk about having done, having walked the marathon. <laughs> even even saying March the, uh, a marathon is, you know, I don't want it ever to feel like I've gone, yeah, well, yeah I've done a marathon too. I feel like it's, I feel it's a bit of a liberty. Because when to... you give people the context of the fact that it takes us nearly 10 hours to do it, yeah, I think yeah. that maybe gives them more of an idea of like the elite athlete that you're talking, that you're yes. talking to. Anyway, and in fact, that's quite, I think, applications have opened for the have, yeah. this year. So that's good timing. Um, we'll talk about that more, I think, in uh, in coming months. When we get people from the, the maybe Bobby and Mike from the foundation come back on and talk about that. Before we do that, let's get a drum roll for a random patron for this week's episode. It's Mr. Rob Billington. 
Hello, hey. Rob. Thanks for joining us. Also this week, an extra shout out for a listener, Keith Dimmond. Hello, Keith. Uh, I know Keith hey, is Keith. Uh, not only a loyal listener, he's also Magic Cheese 72, a.k.a. Mr. Emoji. Uh, so a little shout out, Keith. We love his questions. So uh, thanks for supporting the podcast, my friend. Uh, you can join Patreon and get post-match, two post-match pods this week. Patreon-only merchandise, uh, which I'm starting to see pop up at games now, uh, the latest from, which is lovely. And access to the Discord Club, which is always a fun place to be, um, at patreon.com slash podcast. Link below the show notes. Uh, uh, again, of course. And this week, we're delighted to be sponsored again by our friends at Eternity Home Finance. They're a Croydon-based, palace-supporting, family-run mortgage and protection advisors. From getting on the property ladder to planning your retirement, email info at eternityhomefinance.com for a free consultation if you quote the code FYP. So there you go. Um, normally, Grace, when we do this two-game two weaker, we end up talking about the second game more than the first game. Um, but let's talk about the first game a little bit. Uh, have to admit, I didn't catch much of it on Saturday because I was what well, I thought that my, my daughter and her friend would play nicely while me and her dad is a Palace fan would watch the game. Turns out that toddlers don't often do what you expect them to. So that didn't happen. We caught bits of the game. It didn't seem like the best Certainly, given the previous few games that Palace have had, it was a little bit of the borrow an old Andy Street phrase re- regression to the mean. Yeah, you didn't miss a huge amount, um, I have to say, but it wasn't. I suppose maybe we were due a sort of bump back down to reality, um, and I mean we still obviously kept a clean sheet, which is good, and got the draw, so not the end of the world. But um, yeah, not not quite as good as the previous few weeks had been. Um, and yeah, funnily enough, I'd almost forgotten <laughs> what had happened in the game. Uh, the Wolves game had sort of wiped the Everton game from my memory. It happened so quickly. But um, I forgot that Eze obviously scored, but it was offside. Um, I think because we all knew it was offside before it hit the back of the net, it almost didn't even feel like it was, was in there. Um, but yeah, just sort of same reoccurring themes that maybe had subsided a bit in the last couple of games come back again sort of um the abundantly clear that we next season probably need a new striker um whether we'll get one or not who knows um but yeah not not quite as good as it has been in previous weeks but not not dire by any stretch of the imagination i'd imagine your mind was probably on sunday to be honest, so maybe that's why. Uh, but as you say, wasn't wasn't one for the ages. And in fact, actually, that was I think Joe an issue with Tuesday night as well. The uh, the old recurring striker issues. But in the Everton game, bearing where they are in the season and what they need from their their run in, and the fact they've got a very tough run in, um, and that it's Deitch, it was actually probably never going to be a classic. Yeah, and it might even be symbolic of a sort of bigger picture regarding teams playing Palace now. So I think with Leicester and Leeds, you know, Palace are definitely being earmarked as a game to get points from for a lot of these struggling sides. But I think if you were Leicester coming to sell us off the back of Palace's horrendous run and then Leeds at home to Palace, who, you know, just about got over the line with against Leicester and don't have Zahar, I think they were perhaps maybe a little bit more adventurous uh, than Everton ever needed to be. Having seen those results, I to- and, and even in Southampton, us winning there as well, I totally understand Everton going, 
We're away at Palace. They're actually a lot better than the 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 year's results suggest. So let's just leave with a point. Let's not go silly here. If there's an opportunity to get more from it, then great. And they did have a chance. I thought Calvert Lewin uh, had a great chance. Rolled uh, Gay in the a second half, um, and well, I think it was Gay anyway. Um, but that aside, they seem very content uh, to to manage the game and sit deep. And it really did highlight the striker issue for us. I thought the centre halves. I think it was Tarkovsky and Michael Keane, which is. That's not just Sean Dyche. That's that's first gen Sean Dyche yeah. uh, at Burnley. That's Burnley, like yeah. I think they actually played together years prior. Um, they it, we were kind of we weren't you know everything seemed to be food and drink. You know we were, we were playing some high balls. I guess trying to get it over them and get running in and behind. At least say as a to a lesser extent, I you had some some joy with that. But for the most part. It was food and drink for those guys. They were just winning the winning those headers. Edward was struggling. And then Mateta came tried to came on to almost combat that, it looked like. Didn't have much joy either. And you know, for all the possession that we had and for the sending off to you think, okay, there's some increased pressure here. Um, it's still in the name in terms of actual clear cut chances, shots at goal. As it was with Wolves, there were a lot of block shots, there were a lot of kind of more speculative efforts, but um, we perhaps needed, you know, a Wilfred Zaha to kind of unlock those slightly deeper um, defences this week. But on a bigger, you know, broadly, I'm not, they're frustrating more than they were, I think we had some kind of infuriating stalemates, you know, we haven't scored in a lot of games this season, but Mm. I don't feel the same way coming away from those two games as I did in some of the others. I don't know if that's just because of the fact we're used to it, but yeah, I don't, I don't think we should be too alarmed. I think we know what the issues are and every now and then it's, we're going to come unstuck from that. Yeah. I mean, as you say, there were, there were efforts and it wasn't like the, the, the those three or four games in the bounce prior to Vieira getting the sack where we didn't have a shot on target. Yeah, it wasn't, mm. it wasn't as bad as that. And actually Grace makes a good point. Like it's still, uh, everything clearly came to the point. It's still a, it's still a precious point for us. We're still not mathematically out of it, although I think sort of mentally we are. Which actually brings me on to an interesting point, which I guess brings us into, into the Wolves game a bit. From two of our listeners, from uh, Louis Louis Goodwin two. Hello, Louis. Hey, Louis. And the the no, number one's maybe taken. Um, and Jamie Penston Raja, who's obviously a, a regular. Uh, Jamie says, has the team booked an early holiday to the beach? And Louis says, does the Wolves result really matter? We are basically on the beach right now. Is that the vibe you got from these games, Grace? No, I felt yesterday's game against Wolves was frustrating because I think whether Hodgson wholesale change in the midfield, whether that was because he was trying to highlight the lack of depth, whether he was giving people a break, whether he was giving people a chance or maybe a combination of all three, for whatever reason it was, it didn't work. Um, and it looked, yeah, from, from the get-go, it just w- wasn't great in midfield. Um, but I, I don't think the lack of effort was there. I think everyone was trying, and same against the Everton game. And like Joe said, I think... Everton had a game plan when they came to Selhurst and I think they executed it as they as they wanted to, basically. Um, but I, I don't know. I think we're still pushing and I think we need... I think we'll benefit from having Wilf back, whether that's this Saturday or maybe next week, to sort of 
uh, step it up a notch again. I don't know if there's a little bit of complacency from how the last few games have gone or if it's just just one of those things that we're just we're never going to win every game and have a good performance every week. Um, but I think, obviously, th- those three wins against Leicester, Leeds and Southampton have bought us the bit of breathing room that we didn't have before, um, which allowed us probably to to or allow Roy to make the changes that he did make yesterday because if we weren't in that space I don't think that would have been the midfield three that he would have played yeah I completely agree and I'm just thinking about those 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 three wins it's so rare that a season can turn it's just so quick that our season has gone from doom and gloom to oh we're fine in literally the space of 21 days or whatever I mean it's I know this is maybe a bit of a weird season given the World Cup and how tight it is down the bottom and everyone's playing each other down there. You know, Leeds, Leicester drawing, lovely result for us. But it is just mad how quickly that's turned around. So I think there's going to be a couple of weird results. And mentally, I think for the squad, Joe, it is a little bit of a, oh, we've got to get these results. Oh, actually, now we're fine kind of things. It's probably a bit of a roller coaster for them. But I will say on the changes from last night, and I also was a little bit shocked by them, lots of people have, Emailed in about it. So safe hand 71, Nick Lloyd five, Rob McCormack Carpentry. Get get to Rob for your tables or whatever. Uh Sun A and I say Eze is a baller and Mike Ward. We've all said what what was going on with the changes? They've all got different theories on them. Uh but listening to to Grace's there, Joe, what what were your thoughts on on why those changes happened? Well, I suppose once you factor in that the West Ham game is a twelve thirty. Uh, on Saturday, yeah. wh- whether that affects the prep any differently. Um, it's possible, I guess, because of we've really done ourselves a favour with those three wins. It gives us an opportunity, if we have got a three-game week like we have here, that we actually do just go, actually, let's let's just take some breathing space um, on the Tuesday game. And you know what? I, I definitely think there are instances where you thought, oh, perhaps these play, you know, the players that have come in are showing why they're not in the starting lineup. But I couldn't fault anybody for effort on Tuesday. Um, obviously, there's two big gaffes for each goal, but I thought, sort of half an hour onwards, and perhaps maybe a little bit later, we 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 totally were running that game and really dominating. Similar issues with with the Everton game, in that the incisions weren't really there and. There was a couple of instances where we did get in behind and then Wolves would kind of get back behind the ball as a sort of five, six-man unit, actually quite impressively. Um, and so it was very difficult to break that down. Elise and I, you were doing their best in the wide positions. And they were having some joy. I mean, obviously, in the Everton game, uh, Holgate gets sent off. Uh, thanks to some good work from IU. But... In terms of actually getting the cross in, it, I mean, it's a thing we've had for a long time. We're not the best crossers of the ball because more often than not, you'd actually see someone like Zahar actually cut in and have a go at goal instead. And you had a few opportunities to do that, especially at Wolves, and sort of opted not to do so. And then when we would try and get the cross in after that, it would often be blocked. And we didn't really have an alternative approach to that. But I thought we played really well. I thought we played well. I thought... Maybe perhaps some players were hamstrung. Like that first half, I guess we were maybe the shock of that own goal. Mm. I think Lukonga, Luca, and then Schlupp in the second half all got bookings from 
us getting caught, potentially getting caught on the break. And it's just like, no, let's just end this now and taking that. But that, that kind of proves to be a disadvantage later on in the game when perhaps you need them to be a little bit more stuck in. Um, so, I, yeah, I wouldn't fault them for effort, but it did show that actually, you know, just a little reminder that, you know, as well as things have turned around, you can't expect this exact the the issues that were there previously haven't all gone away there's still going to be some things with depth you know that it could well be the last game some of those players play for palace i mean they might be unlucky if that's the case but you know i i I don't i think we earned the right to rotate for fitness reasons and us losing that doesn't leave us in any worse of a situation does it no it's still 12th yeah, I mean, I don't think we will ever not be twelve. I think that that is us now for for history. Um, which is, I mean, I mean, hold hold the phone. I don't, you know, it may be expired information by the time that this goes out. But Chelsea have just gone behind to Brentford, so you know that's still in sight. Nothing has changed there. <laughs> because Dizzy heights of eleventh. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because that keeps us. That would keep us what three points behind them. Two, two or three points behind them, which is more an indication I think of the season they're having than the season yeah. they're having but still pretty mad but I think Wolves did go level with us with that uh, with that win so it's getting tighter there but but either way uh, certainly not as um, panicky as the teams down the bottom there um, on the IU thing uh, there was a moment in the second half where he did go through and he tried to um, and he does this sometimes he tried to sort of chop fake a shot and chop out left but his chops whereas Wolf does them very sort of like smoothly his chops are so rigid they end up basically <laughs> defending the ball for the defender himself and just, he ended up sort of facing back to goal <laughs> it was the hardest chop i've ever seen um so you know he he isn't maybe quite as natural as uh as wolf in that regard but um let, let's move on really quickly before we move on to part two and questions to um something grace i wasn't and this is more for the wolves game and maybe i wasn't concentrating but i matthews i matthews I am Matthew. I Matthews says, uh, "How bent was the ref?" Um, just for legally out there, we don't endorse that opinion. We think the ref was not um, fraudulent. Um, Elise chops in the box, nothing. Johnson wins the ball. The player rolls around to get a pen. We'll come on to that in a bit. I'm not sure about that. Um, <laughs> Schlupp pulls out of a challenge, gets a yellow. Uh, that also probably was a yellow. Dawson takes Ayu's head off with the elbow. Um, and he, and crickets. He says, "Yeah, that was another another one." Um, did the ref performance jump out to you, Grace? I have to admit, I didn't really, I didn't really notice it. Only because there was a man two rows behind me, and when I when I tell you, he hated that referee as if he'd killed his whole family from minute one. <laughs> some of the language aimed at that referee, even when some of them, because some of them were clear yellows, clear fouls, but um, this guy wasn't having any of it. Um, I think the ref was, was it Rob Jones, I think, last night, who, I mean, it did feel like one of those ones where we got penalised every time we did something and someone got booked when it was maybe the first time they'd done something, whereas Wolves didn't seem to get the same treatment necessarily. And they had a few people where it took um, quite a while for someone to get a yellow For example, Elise was getting his shirt pulled and tugged around um, in the second half down in the corner where the Palace fans were quite a lot. And eventually the bloke did get booked, but it took a while. But um, I mean, yeah, I don't think we can have too many complaints. I mean, yeah, no, no better or worse than most of the other ones, to be honest. I am sorry that you had to um, sit in front of Rob Sutherland. (laughs) 
but that's what happens <laughs> away games sometimes. You just don't know where you're going to go. Um, I am checking the ref. I can't actually. I'm looking now to see who it was. Um, on those decisions, Joe, and I guess we should come on to the um the penalty as well. I the Elise the two penalties essentially. The mm-hmm. the Elise one I did see at the time, and there wasn't. I was watching from home. There wasn't that many re. It was Rob Jones uh, as a ref. Um, right. wasn't that many replays, and I was like, mm, okay, yeah, maybe not enough sort of in it. Seen it back since, and I'm still, I'm a little bit like, oh, okay, you've seen them given, but I, I can sort of see why it maybe wasn't overturned in terms of a horrendous decision, whatever the um the parameters yeah. are. The Johnson one, and I, I know the controversy around that was not that it was a penalty, but more should it be a red card for Jones? Yeah, that to me was definitely a penalty. He sort of got it wrong and caught the player with the studs, but the studs are down rather than up, and that's maybe what saved him from a red. What are your thoughts on, on both those pens? Yeah, I, I it's interesting. I think two or three years ago, whenever VAR was introduced, I think they would have had a look at the Palace penalty, uh, of the, the challenge on well, the incident with Elise, and may have, you know, asked the ref to have a look at that. I think, And I think if they had asked the ref to have a look at that, he probably would have given it. But as as you said there, at this, the threshold is so high now that they kind of, it's almost like wrong is fine. It's it's like, oh, you know, it's we're not even going to open that to being looked at. And I don't know, I've just come to accept that now, but it is a little frustrating because he does, he does catch him. And uh, so, you know, on an, in another day, the ref, like for example, if the ref gives that, it's not being overturned as not a penalty which I feel like we say that increasingly more and more around these incidents. It's a little bit more of, you know, what they call umpire's decision, which I suppose some people do want that more often, but it's annoying if you felt like it could have worked your way, the ref had a had a, had a better look at it. Um, but I do think, I think Sam Johnston's was a penalty. I've got no, I think we've, we've gone past the point of, I got the ball in a lunge. I think that that, yeah, that hasn't, that's kind of, that's not really a thing anymore. You know, if it's dangerous play, it's dangerous play. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, we're almost fortunate, not just us, but the Wolves player that some of the worst leg breakers in football at the pro, at Premier League level tend to start with a bad touch by one player and then they lunge for a 50-50. Yeah. And that all seems set up for that. And in the end, it was just, you know, I, I think the Wolves player was clever and made sure that, you know, they got they they got that penalty, but also protected themselves a little bit from taking that a full swing of full might of that challenge, a goalkeeper's challenge. You know, if if that is that worse than the striker's challenge, <laughs> I, you know, I, I suppose it is. But um, a massive shame for uh, Sam Johnston beyond that, though, because um, maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves here. But you know, Chelsea uh, on a post-match pod quite regularly when we're talking about the keepers, because obviously it's been quite a bizarre uh, situation for us in the last couple of months. But one of the things that Selzy has regularly say, said, spoilers for, you know, sorry for giving out Patreon info to those that haven't got it, but, <laughs> you know, the situation at Palace doesn't seem to be one where um, you're going to be dropped on form necessarily. Like the player, the keepers are consistent enough where, you know, once you get your place due to an injury or suspension, you're likely to stay in and that'll be your lot until you lose to injury or, or suspension, which is why Johnston has had to wait his turn with Guaita for so long. But having now got that finally, probably months after he thought he was expected to get his run in the side, 
he's now got a suspension, and I imagine that uh, Vicente is not going to lose that spot between now and the end of the season because that just seems how it's going to work. So, um, unfortunate for him, he's been pretty good in these these run of games. Had a couple of clean sheets as well, but uh, yeah, he's going to find himself back on the sidelines. I imagine after that. Yeah, we've had a few questions about that actually, but we will come on to. Um, I, I wasn't aware that he's suspended now, but. Um... Yeah, oh no! James. Sorry, ignore me. I've just seen this sent off, haven't I? Yeah, yeah. He got booked. <laughs> yeah, I was I'm trying a, to what make an it work in my head, thinking, thinking oh, what did I miss? Yeah, what an idiot. Ten bookings. Or sorry, that's how much I thought was a bad challenge. Then <laughs> 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 I guess well, that's probably uh, tells you subconsciously how I feel about that challenge. <laughs> okay, so had it been a red, you probably would have been. Yeah, not, yeah. yeah, but yeah, he's, exactly. but he's, yeah. So he stays in the team. Just, just scratch it <laughs> up. Pretend that any, none of that happened. <laughs> oh no, it all stays in. It all stays in. Yes. We'll talk about we'll talk about West Ham at the weekend because people have asked about that. So um, I suspect he'll stay in, but um, we will come to team selection. Uh, there, I just I thought he had quite a good game actually to fair up until that made a few good saves yeah. as well. So, but it's one of these things, and as you said, there are so many incidents where players take a bad touch, and it's it's a rush of blood to the head to try and correct that bad touch that 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 lends uh, sort of ends up in in lunges, and the slow mo. It's one of those ones where the slow mo makes it look pretty bad. Oh, yeah. Which doesn't mean it isn't. You know, I hate that phrase makes it look worse than it is. Well, if it looks bad, then it is bad. But like, mm. it, it, he sort of goes up and you can see the lunge in midair. It's like karate chop kind of thing. So I think it's, mm. I think it's, it's, it's a, it's definitely a penalty, definitely yellow. Had it gone to red, I don't think it would have been overturned, but it's, it's, it's probably the right outcome. Um, let's take a break. Oh, we've done well there. We've covered two games there pretty succinctly in 20 minutes, guys. I think that is impressive podcasting. Um, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we've got questions from our listeners. When it comes to business travel in Orlando, it's never business as usual. Oh, sure, I could go on for days about all the incredible places to hold meetings or the Michelin dining or the innovative industries that'll make you feel right at home. But Dr. Michael Edwards of Ocean Insight said it best. Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. So dive in and see what's happening in Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at Orlando for Business Welcome back to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Sponsored by Eternity Home Finance. From getting on the property ladder to planning your retirement, email info at eternityhomefinance.com and quote the code FYP for a free consultation. Uh, question time. We managed to answer quite a lot of our listeners' questions in part one, which is just excellent podcasting all around. Um, so I'm going to ask a question here from Vibes Inking. V-Y... Vibes Inking? Hello. Someone that's got vibes, I, I, I'm guessing. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it's quite a long-winded question, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break it down. I heard something that sticked in my mind after we played Everton, says Vibes. Uh, it was Royal Match today, so he wants us to get to the 40-point mark where we're safe and then enjoy the remaining matches. And that shows the mentality we've had for years. We are comfortable finishing 12th, which shows the mentality, ambition, desire of our club. We never set our goal high to try and achieve a European place. And I fully agree with Wilf when he said the other day he'd consider an offer from a, uh, with European ambition for season after season. We find ourselves in the same situation. Um, Grace, forgive me. 
But five weeks ago, we were all worried <laughs> we're getting trapped into a relegation battle. I completely understand fans wanting to show ambition after 11 years in the Premier League. I definitely get it. We all want to. But right now, are we not in a mini-season, essentially, which is what Roy is referring to after Everton, of try and get safe, regroup in the summer? Or can you understand where Vibes is coming from? I think if you look at where we were at the start of the season, I don't think we ever expected to be in the position we then found ourselves in come Vieira sacking. Um, I think maybe some of us did have slightly grander plans of how the season might have gone. Don't we always? Life often doesn't work out like that. Um, and it didn't. So I think, yeah, like you say, when you look back at where we were just not even like a month ago, like a couple of weeks ago, um, things were not looking great at all. So I, I don't think that um, ideas of Europe were ever going to be a realistic thing this season. Maybe in, in the future, I, I agree, I think we should be looking looking to progress. That's that's the whole point. What Otherwise, what are we doing in the Premier League? We don't just want to be doing the same thing year after year. Um, but we had obviously last year with Vieira was a big transition season in terms of the squad. It's sort of like a building blocks approach. Um, but I think that maybe this season and how it's turned out wasn't wasn't how we thought it would go. So I think we have to keep, like Roy said, get to 40, make the best of it, see how far we can get, regroup in the summer, new manager, hopefully, um, changing personnel again and see see where we go next year. I mean, if if the likes of Brighton, Brentford, etc., as much as I I hate to applaud them for what they've done, that that has to be what we're looking to do, sort of in the sustainable way that they've done it. Um, that that has to be the aim, I think. Otherwise, what what's the point, really? Yeah, I think that's fair. And and last season, I think gave us all so much hope that we were finally sort of making that transition. But as you say, things change so quickly in the Premier League and that happened to us in the last three months I think Joe if it had been maybe any other manager they may have phrased it differently but Roy from what we know of him is never gonna say oh yeah we're safe we're we're aiming for seventh now it's just not in his nature um certainly given the role that he's been asked to do he is very much black and white this is my job this is what I'm gonna do um, but I can I can understand fans, especially after last season. Uh, I maybe maybe because we had this terrible three months, finally thinking they can look in the other direction on the table. Yeah, I mean I've fallen into that trap immediately. You know, I'm counting down to the the chase of Chelsea, which I've already mentioned on uh, on the pod already. So, but you know, as as you point, kind of. Roy's Roy's remit was stay up. Let's be honest, and that's where we were. That's where the panic the panic was about survival. Ultimately, we did have these run of games, and we've come out with a lot of points from them already. There's still plenty to go, but I feel I just I don't think we should panic with regards to being on the beach. Not because we, yeah, we're, we're. I think I'll say it. I think we're safe. But in terms of looking higher, we're not just going to suddenly. Despite the run of games, we're not just going to win every week. Whether or not, well, there was one we... point we did talk about it on the pod. We're like, yeah, hang like, on. <laughs> we can we can hope we're going to believe, but you know, there's going to be slip up somewhere, especially when our issue is goals. Yeah, the, you know, the the Leeds game increasingly looks like an outlier, not because of us, but because of how they approach games that they desperately feel like they need to win. 
um, and just how they are defensively. But, you know, I, I, I feel like every now and then, teams that desperately need points in our games, it, it works both ways. Winnable games for us are also seen as winnable games, or at least were winnable games right. for others in their run-ins, respectively. And because of how we've put ourselves, the position we put ourselves in, they need them way more desperately than we do. So you're going to see these games where... Everton are shutting us out at sellers, sitting back, holding on for a point, um, or the and wasting serious amounts of time. I guess we didn't cover that either early on. Just like Demai Gray, especially, uh, really on the floor for quite a long time. Um, and then Wolves was the same. You had the ball boys being creative with it as much as uh, the players were. Uh, Huang was on the, the the floor quite a lot, um, and then also, you know, just I imagine if Wool, you know. Were it not for that own goal, I think the Wolves' approach to that game would have been entirely different yeah. because they wouldn't have had much to hold on to. They would probably, it, it may have played out different. You know, things happen in games where you're going to have in stuff like that. It happens to coincide with us also playing maybe a couple of midfielders that we wouldn't otherwise do. But I still think come Saturday, you're going to see us full strength You're again. You're going to see us not just rotating for rotating sake, maybe on the last day, I don't know. But I don't think you have to worry about us just putting putting our boots off and that's, we you know, no more points. I think you're still going to see us really show up in games. And, you know, if the potential to climb higher is there, then I think we will take it. I just don't think, I don't know quite how high that ceiling is. I, I know we can potentially go above 12, but... You know, we also, that also requires Fulham, Brentford, Brighton, maybe Spurs to all start losing games more frequently than we do as, on top of that. And actually, I feel like you're going to need, while mathematically it's possible, I feel like for this season, you kind of just have to not think about that. I think the odds of all that happening, I mean, people that are good with odds and stuff will tell you, I think that they're going to be long odds of all all those variables taking place at the same time, I think. Um, but you never know. It is football. I will say that Vibes rounds off saying, I'll always be a diehard Palace fan, no matter what. But the mentality of our club has to change. Has to start with the board and the owners. Um, which, which, you know what? I can feel the passion coming through, Vibes. And I appreciate that. But I feel like that is a question for the summer slash next season. Right yeah. now, we're in this mini season of getting safe. Um, yeah. it, it's an interesting topic, we, though. We nearly are. It is. Yeah, it is. Um, and it is something we come back to a lot. Yeah, uh, which I think is where people's frustrations come from. But right now, I think it's about. I sound like Roy, but it, <laughs> I think it is about getting the points and 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 getting safe, and that is the ultimate aim. Yeah, I, I guess that that topic has come up again though because of that. I guess leaked Wolf story around the contract negotiations. Yeah. I think that figure of two hundred thousand pounds a week had been reported before, but the uh, this new information that supposedly. He was, you know, open to to hearing Palace's side of things if they demonstrated European ambition. Um, I think we'd all be into that. Um, <laughs> but equally, being promised that and the actual delivery of that, there's a lot to there's a lot to work out between whether that you know we could straight out lie to Wilf. How how would he know until July? maybe even the start of the season. We're not we're not notoriously early buyers in the transfer window in the summer. 
we took until July to get Vieira in, and we knew we needed a new manager for quite some time. So is is Wilf going to wait to the expiry of his contract and then not sign anywhere else and wait to see if we're going to, you know, have another sort of John Texter, 80 million, 90 million pound injection of cash? Probably not. Yeah. You know, so I, I understand having that sort of broader, you know, more philosophical conversation about Palace's ambitions, but yeah, I don't, I, I think anything. Uh, yeah. I have no, who knows? Honestly, we won't know for months. Remind me never to get into negotiations with you, Joe. You've just showed your hand there. I would never trust you with any negotiations. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine we actually pulled one over? I guess we did five years ago, but pulling a fast one with Will. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. The, just the toxicity that would then kind of... I just I just think uh, th- these, conversa- these conversations are going to have to happen. It's just the wrong time. And and I, yeah. I know why it's being leaked and we know who's leaking it and it's all part of the merry-go-round. We get it. Yeah. But this isn't really the time for it. Th- those conversations are for when we yeah. have hit 40 points or when we have 28th of May has rolled around and we're all yeah. clapping the players around the pitch. It's it's yeah. it's just the wrong time. Yeah. And, and also, you know, I think we've tried to have European ambition before <laughs> and then a bad run of games and, well, let's never do that again. And so it's really difficult. It's not as simple as extra money. It really has to be like every uh, many things working at once and having everyone having all these players in contract that we don't have in you know come the summer. It's it's uh, yeah. When there was it looks like you know the fixtures are there for us, but I, I think we can't get too ahead of ourselves. So football is about variables, and it yeah. and it is about things happening. Yeah, the, the odds. Yeah, you know, it's like Leicester's season five thousand to one. Mm. You know the number of injuries they had in that squad was way below the average and you need magic to happen sometimes. And yeah. I think we maybe ran out of magic this season. Um, let's move on to the goal scoring issue because Grace had a few questions from people about that. Uh, Mark Davis says, uh, who is the striker signing that will best complete our first team given it's not any of the ones we've currently got? Mark nailing his colours to the master. And Casey Spoon 11, uh, what's the next step to unlocking even more of this offence so that it can score against the, let's call them, more pragmatic setups, which is an interesting question because as Joe says, I think after that run of three games, teams are now going to probably start to set up more pragmatically against us, having seen what we did to uh, to Leeds. Yeah, I mean, oh, so many questions in one question. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think we know something has to change on, on the striker front um, for whatever reason. I mean, Mateta... The the line, there ain't no striker better than Jean-Philippe Mateta is just one of the biggest lies in the world. As great as the song is, it is just not true. <laughs> um, and he obviously gave us that great moment at Leicester and some other great corner flag kicks. And But for him and Edouard, I think it's just not quite worked out. Um, and I think we need to be looking to move them on if we can and get someone new in. In terms of who we get in... I don't know. It depends on the the pot we've got available, whether it's going to be someone, I know we like to use the loan market usually pretty well, whether we go down that route or whether we try try and find someone that's going to fit. But I think it's becoming harder and harder to get that sort of 15 
20 goal a season striker that so many clubs like us and basically anyone sort of bottom half of the table is looking for, for good value for money. Um, so I, d- I don't know where we go from here, really. Can I just say, you? Um, that was expertly answered considering John Stones just scored for Man City, which I know is in Did your he? fantasy team. Yes. Wonderful <laughs> news. <laughs> so if you hadn't seen that... Should we, should we sign him and stick him up front? <laughs> <laughs> Probably would do very well. No, he loves the goal, John Stones. does pop up with a, with a couple. Um, that's 2-0 City now, which is very interesting in the title race. Um, Joe, let me add in another question, because two wasn't enough in the last round, from sure. James Jeffrey. And the reason I ask this is I have an opinion on this, um, which I know is rare for me on the podcast, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead with it as well. Um, who, if any, would you try to pick off from the relegated teams should we survive? <laughs> I appreciate that's getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but let's just imagine hypothetically we, we are Walker Peters, um, Gibbs White, although big contracts, Gibbs White, yeah, would be Brennan Johnson. I don't think he'd come to us. Or go big for Calvert-Lewin, Damari Gray, any of the Leeds attacking players. Now, that. The reason I've got an opinion on this is because I was thinking the other day, watching the Leeds game, and I was thinking about how much I like um, Aronson. Uh, yeah. And then I was thinking, oh, do you know what? The way the position he plays and the way he plays, not the same, but a little bit like a sort of Audi Conor Gallagher. And then right. when Grace was talking there about <laughs> needing a striker, and I was thinking, I wonder if this team needs more a Conor Gallagher type. I know we've moved away from the Vieira system, but we know how fed it was last season. Could someone like Aronson, assuming they go down, which I don't think they will, fit into that system now? Or have we moved beyond that system now with Roy's, or whoever the manager is, uh, but, Mitchell 3? That's the other kind of big variable, as you, you said, that, that key word there. Um, the next manager might not be interested in that kind of approach at all. Yeah, It might suddenly become, actually, I want us to, you know, starve the other team of possession and, you know, wear them out rather than press high and suddenly that player that you get in it seems redundant which we're kind of feeling a little bit with the January signings uh there's an element of Hodgson playing those he knows well in their best positions but you know yeah there's a there's a chance that you know Ahmada's completely out of the picture now and Lakonga's you know that was his first real kind of substantial minutes under Hodgson on on Tuesday night um, so it's, it's difficult. I, I, there's definitely positions where we know, regardless of the manager that we need to fill in, um, striker is one of them. I'd say right back, anything beyond that. And I guess a, you know, a hypothetical wolf replacement, let's leave it there. Um, beyond that, it's really difficult because there are exceptional players out there in these teams, but it, you know, the money that it might cost, it's still, not insignificant and we might be nervous to spend it if we don't know what kind of if whether the manager is going to use them or not or you know it, it's it's odd I feel like as you said there you said Walker Peters and it my ears pricked up because the Southampton right back that everyone really likes but has been injured and not played this season is Livermento and I feel yeah. I think everybody will be queuing up for him yeah and I think we might as well get in that queue you never know <laughs> if uh if Wan-Bissaka's you know that that if that race is run or not, I'm sure we're going to have a go and getting him back in. Um, but if failing that, um, Livermento might be available for some good money. Um, but there, there's there's a lot of teams with a lot of players. Uh, you know, even Leicester, I, I think I think they're shedding a lot of their squad anyway, which pro- might be the root part of their problems as it is anyway. 
because they might be looking at next season already. But um, Southampton, as bad as they have been results-wise, a lot of exciting young players. It's like they've done a bit too much too early. Yeah. Whereas actually us going over there and going Livermento or Bella Kocap, who again was a Dougie Friedman target for, felt like 18 months before deciding to get Gay and Anderson instead. Um, you know, with a year's Premier League experience, could be an interesting option. Again, we're probably more expensive now and more competition, but it wouldn't surprise me if that's where we go in terms of trying to get value in the market because I, I feel like that summer of two years ago, if it is two years ago, the Roy, the Hodgson end, Vieira start summer, we had that text through investment. I don't think that's realistic to expect again. We kind of need to spend that kind of money or get that amount of players in. I think it's going to take some creative accounting to to get that done, though. So I'm not, I'm, I'm not convinced that that's how it's going to play out. I really don't, you know. I'd be amazed if we got a thirty million pound player in this summer, for example. Can I just say for the record, we don't believe that Palace will do any creative accounting. No, no, quite. <laughs> that, that, that just in case anyone's. Uh... It was some creative wording as well. It can mean whatever you want it to believe. <laughs> I, just, uh, I meant I meant simply amortization. You know, you know, it's a, it's a genuine creative. I don't even know what that means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know what that means? But Andy Street's legal senses are tingling right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, Dom and Selzy have been very good on the post-match. I think Dom on the midweek pod a few times talking about the ownership issues at Palace, and I wonder if I might try and get them both to sit down in the summer and talk us through that because I think that is going to be a running theme when it comes to basically everything recruitment manager i think that is going to be something we hear a lot more about um but they know more about it than i do so i will get them to maybe sort of uh to talk us through it because i think uh having more context or knowledge of context i think will help us all um anyway let's take a break lovely questions as ever thank you very much to our our listeners uh callum wilkinson did ask about armada actually so uh we sort of covered that but um yeah thank you for those uh after the break uh winners and losers Welcome back to the Fun Fan Podcast. Pod 470. 470. That's a lot of podcasts. We're only 30 away from the big 500. That is mad. Um, anyway, uh, sponsored this week by our lovely friends at Eternity Home Finance. Uh, from getting on the property ladder to planning your retirement, email info at eternityhomefinance.com for a free consultation and quote the code FYP. They are Palace fans as well, so you could just email them and talk about Palace if you want to do that as well. Uh, they are lovely, lovely people. Uh, it's winners and losers time. As I said last week, this is now a public available section until the end of the season. Um, if you do, it normally was a patron section, um, but there's plenty of patron stuff available, so uh, do check that out. If you want more FYP in your life, Chelsea have missed another chance. Lovely stuff. Uh, Grace, let's come to you first for um, a winner. Maybe it's a slightly harder one. From either game or both games, you, you, you do what you want. Yeah, a bit more of a struggle in a week where we've not won and not even scored. <laughs> um, I was going to go with maybe, oh, yeah, slim pickings. I think maybe 
Um, Decore, I thought, had another good game against Everton, as he always seems to, has hardly picked up a booking since um, the change in management. Um, I think yesterday the Wolves game sort of highlighted how important he is in that midfield, as if we didn't know that already. Um, But also the benefit that um, we've now hit 33 games, so he's no longer at risk of getting a two-game ban for those 10 yellows, because I think he's been on nine yellows. I'm sure it was from Vieira's last game. Yeah, yeah. Was it? So um, (laughs) he's done really well to hold that out, so we don't have to worry about that now unless he goes all kamikaze against West Ham and gets sent off. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so he's, he's my winner this week. Yeah, he's actually... Uh, Joe, I was listening to Football Clichés in the week. Um, other podcasts are available, but it's... Based, the Jack Pierce's other podcast, is, he feels like he appears more on Football Clichés than he does on, <laughs> on FYP at this point. Um, and they were talking about players... They were doing sort of an uh, an over-immortalised 11 or something. Players that become better when they don't play. And yeah. I know Benteke had that when he wasn't uh, a Palace yeah. many times. But actually, I think Grace is right to call it. Not, not that we don't know he's brilliant and not that he's become better, but it, I guess the changes and replacements on Tuesday did actually highlight just actually how well he's done for us this season. And actually, from a from not a shaky start, but from a lot of those yellows being picking up and a bit of a settling, he has really settled now into our main, our main midfielder. Yeah, and it's playing more minutes. So do you remember early on in the season, he was absolutely gassing after an hour if he got there and and there's a little less of that i know roy has actually been you know which again i, I don't want to go down divert myself too much here but a lot of the kind of frustrations with the last days of the previous roy spell I, it, it, the, increasingly we probably should have seen at the time in hindsight you know it is really about what he had to, to play with the lack of subs and stuff that has just not been a thing in this second spell because even though we do have still have squad depth issues, it's still markedly better than it was uh, towards the end of his time previously. And, and I think he can literally use more subs. Yeah, that too. And so, you know, you, you know, you are seeing Luca come on for Decore on a couple of occasions. Um, but yeah, it's still, you know, Decore for me is still the player's player of the season. I don't know how anyone else thinks him on this pod, but everyone else has had good spells, good patches, um, but I just think the value of him is is so important already. And funnily, you know, talking about winners and losers, I felt like everybody that immediately came to mind as winners were people that weren't in the team, which it yeah. feels quite harsh on everybody that yeah. played. I, I guess I instinctively I was thinking, you know, it shows that what what Wilf gives us against deep line sides, you know. Uh, someone, uh, Jarzy on Twitter once uh, last night said, you know, for all the grief that people suggest that Guaita is not good in possession or a bit shaky, he Southampton in the cup aside, over a huge, much bigger sample size, he's made yeah. way fewer mistakes than yeah. Johnston and Butland have in the same position. Yeah. Um, but I feel like I, to avoid that, I'll give some praise. My winner is Chris Richards, who I thought lovely. Fared pretty well at right back, and then although not not necessarily an outstanding player, but fared pretty well. I know some people want to see him there long term, but then with uh, Anderson's injury, which I hopefully isn't too bad. Although you know, when Chris Richards moves centrally, 
son, you know, looked exemplary. And um, I'm really not nervous. I when when we lose players, I think over because of squad depth or just how things are, you worry about what are we going to be like without these players or whether we sell them, whether they're out for long-term injuries. Um, I'm not nervous about a centre-back injury now it, because Tomkins coming on was a bit like, oh, we have to change our style of play. And that's not, you know, it's not Tomkins' fault. Whereas Chris Richards at centre-half, I've got no worries. And if yeah. we have to sell, if Mark Gay goes to somebody for 70, 80 million this summer... Chris Richards starts in, and I'm actually okay with that. I think he's really exciting and, and you know, similar age to those guys. Um, so, yeah, fair play to him. I, 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 you know, didn't have a huge amount to do yesterday, but the, the, what he was asked to do, I thought he covered really well, and he's a relatively new player to Roy compared to some, you know, some of the others, and wasn't an immediate starter. So I, I think I imagine he impressed the manager on, on Tuesday. Yeah, I, I agree. He made a lovely recovery tackle late on. On I think Costa. Um, I think I was I was going to say that both my winners were right backs. I was going to say Wardy and Richards because I think right. Richards at right back um, is clear that he's more comfortable at centre back. So I thought that yeah. him playing there was an indication that actually, you know what, Wardy does do very well for us from Cooper Point yeah. and it's very solid there. And we're unlucky with Klein's injury. Um, but once he went to centre-back, I thought it was absolutely superb. And I completely feel the same way that if there's injuries and we don't know what Joe's situation is like, absolutely no worries at all. Richards has always deputised well for us when he's when, when asked to at centre-back. KC Spoon 11. Second question for KC this week, I think. Says, how do you feel about Richards on the right versus the centre? Is there enough there for him to get more starts? Grace, I would say in the centre, absolutely. I think he is... As Joe says, knocking louder on the manager's door, I think. Yeah, I think so. And I think, yeah, I agree. I think he looked more comfortable at centre-back than right-back, albeit that I think maybe with some more time at right-back and with some more coaching and that, that maybe he could grow into that a bit more. But no, at centre-back, he certainly looks very assured and not like he's just sort of been parachuted in, which he has on most occasions when he's come in and he's, he's stepped up to the mark. And there was that period earlier in the season wasn't there when it was so Anderson that was injured um and yeah. I mean Richards could probably have felt himself unlucky yeah but he lost his spot he didn't lose his spot for how he was playing it was just because Anderson was fit again and he's the the sort of natural first choice at the minute but no I agree with Joe it's it's really nice and refreshing to have a, a couple of good centre-back options so that because we do seem to have picked up a few more injuries in that position than in some of the others, or like we might have done in the past. And uh, Tompkins has been a great servant, but it's refreshing to have someone a bit, a bit younger and also to have someone again, that is capable of playing um, in that right back role as well. So that if we need to slot someone there, which seemingly we regularly do because it's our favourite position to get injured and mm-hmm. we haven't recruited. And poor Nathan Ferguson just seems to be broken beyond repair. Uh, yeah, um, one, the yeah. poor guy. I mean, yeah. So, no, Chris Richards, yeah, great. And I'm looking forward to the, the sort of future he's got with us. He just seems like a really cool dude as well. And I just, I, he's like got a really, really nice vibe about him as well. So for some reason, that's very important to me when it comes to play. If I was manager, I would just pick on vibes rather than actually ability, I think. Um, well, that's the, um, was it, is it the New Zealand rugby team that was like, they have a no dickheads policy. That, yeah, that's yeah. Kind of their selection policy. Well, well for them, hasn't it? So. Yeah. 
quite rightly. Yeah, I think that's a that's a very very strong policy. <laughs> um, uh, so we've done winners. Uh, I'm not going to call them losers, Grace. I'm going to call them musty bet. Someone last week was it you, Joe? Someone come up with a better phrase. I can't remember what it was. Um, but we'll go with musty betters then this week. Probably more to choose from. Yeah, I mean, again, I don't think anyone had an absolute car crash of a performance in either of the two games. Um, but my must do better second placer this week is is Luca, um, just because it feels like his time with us is coming. It sounds like he's going to die, but it's coming to sort of a natural, natural end out of contract in the summer. Just like it just highlighted yesterday. I think he got booked in. It was like the 12th minute. And we all know that Luca on a yellow is never Never a great place to be. Um, and to his credit, he 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 did all right after that. But you, he can just never fully get into the game in the same way as when he's he's not on a booking. And I think it's probably time for us and for him to move on in the summer. I think we've probably outgrown him a bit. Ah, oh, sounds like the end of a relationship. It's not you, <laughs> it's us. Actually, no, it is you, Luca. Um, yeah, that yellow was it was it was peak Luca. Um, although I haven't said that. He sort of had to. He had to make it because there would have been the, the the break would have been on. So it's one of those like weirdly sort of like wise slash professional fouls, but also quite as you say, twelve minutes in, you're like, oh god, here we go. Um, I feel I do feel a bit sorry for Luca Joe because um he he's gotten to a stage in his career where obviously he's he's not able to really perform at the same levels that he did earlier for us, and he's become very much a squad player again, someone that you would never think when he goes on the pitch that he's giving anything less than hundred percent for the team. And, and sometimes you can see him visibly get frustrated at his own performances. And clearly he wants to do better for palace. And in the first what two or three years, I mean, he was genuinely superb for us and, and changed our fortunes and arguably sort of kept us up that first season. But as Grace says, maybe it does feel like, you know, the end of the road with him. And, and you said earlier, you know, it might be, uh, a final start for a couple of them on on Tuesday, and Lucas was the first name I thought of when you said that. Yeah, I, do you know I actually felt sorry for him around that booking, not because you know it was a yellow card. Let's make no mistake, and um, I actually felt a fool for not backing it once I saw him start. That's usually <laughs> printing money, um, but it was it was like a bad pass from Elise that essentially someone else sent, yeah, you know, sold sold him a dud, and and he was having to. It was his book, and he then had to pick up to stop it, stop the break. But um, yeah, it, his situation is just unfortunate. Obviously, he's had personal uh, sort of tragedies yes. in his life, in amongst that as well. But you know, never suited the pressing game particularly. Certainly not under Vieira. You know, as you say, you'd seem visibly frustrated at his own kind of just be half a second late into some of these challenges, and but it would always be full blooded, which is you know you don't want to discourage that from somebody's game. But it would cost us in certain instances. And yeah, really important for us as, a, you know, I think whatever we paid for him, was it 10 million, I think, in the Sam Allardyce, sort yeah. of that huge window. I think that money's sort of more more than paid for. And, and I think we've even got inc- more value than than what it was out of that. Yeah. Scores, if you actually look at Palace's all-time Premier League goal scorers, he's, I think, second because of all the, the penalties yeah. and free kicks. And, you know, that's not to be sniffed at. But that last contract we gave him, which I think, you know, there was like Italian sides looking at him and stuff. I think as impo- as much as we felt we needed it to give him, just needed to give him it at that time, it sort of kept him around a little bit longer than perhaps we naturally would have because I don't think he's going to get that money anywhere else now at this point in his career. Um, 
But yeah, I I we're 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 going to be seeing the last few appearances from him at the club, I imagine. Bar some sort of new deal negotiated where he's very happy to play a few games and at a reduced rate, which I don't think he's he's, he's not that old yet, you know. Yeah. You know, I'd be you know, you can imagine someone like James McCarthy being offered a deal like that and him sticking around because he likes being at the club and there's a succession plan of like, you know, coaching. But Luca, I think he's still young enough to go somewhere and play every game in for a club in a season. And you know, I I wish him well. I think I feel like I feel bad when the end of people's spells sours what they did before. I I don't really want to I want to remember him for that good stuff. Yeah. And but yeah, it, it did it, that performance didn't, it wasn't bad, but just the nature of it didn't really help his prospects about staying around for any longer. Uh, I hope that he gets a, if he does end uh, this season, gets a, a nice send off at the end of the season. I think he's more than earned that. He feels very um, Turkish Superliga. He played for Olympiakos, yeah. didn't he? I think so. I yes. Yeah, yeah. Going back there for the final few years and probably, probably thriving. Um, Still Joe, club he, captain, isn't he? Technically. You think about he's it. He's ahead of, Gahey is Gahey's vice captain. Well, when um, Mac, is it Macca or Wardy? I don't know, there's quite a few. <laughs> so when when Luca came on against Everton, took took the armband straight as he come on, like it's it's like that. From, it's just that he's he's from Ward, I believe it was. Ward, yeah, but that's how kind of rarely he plays. Is that he's club he's been club captain probably two three years, and yeah. it's just we rarely see it in force because it's just that's not he's not really near the in the picture. Yeah, so if I was about to say if Ward goes this summer, but Ward will never leave us. <laughs> no, and you know, you, I don't think we spent enough time on your mention for him in the winners. I think he's done brilliantly under this Roy spell, and I'm actually delighted for him because we know it's not long term the starter. But I felt like we said that about him the year after <laughs> Wan Bissaka broke into the team. We were like four years ago. <laughs> yeah, but I, I've, I've not really been able to fault him. And uh, yes, the opposite cabinet of opposition is quite different to the Man City's and Arsenal's, but uh, no, I'm just, you know, I've not got an issue with him at the team at the moment. And I feel like that's, you have to give him some credit. There's there's a spin-off episode definitely of like what what Palace players do after leaving Palace. But I feel like Joe Ward is nailed on for uh, meet and greets in the exec boxes. You know, like there's always <laughs> yeah. one player. He is He'd be perfect at that. He's such a nice guy. And his chat is actually very good. So, yeah, do we he... still have? Do we still have like a club chaplain? Is that still a? Is that still a thing? <laughs> oh my god! What was his name? It was Chris Rev... something, wasn't it? Sands, Reverend Sands. No, Reverend Sands. Nigel, Nigel Sands. Is that what was Oh, did he? Maybe he didn't. I apologise, <laughs> Reverend Sands, if you're listening. <laughs> so sorry. I feel like uh, there was no. He Reverend Sands was. Like a, the stats guy, he did a lot of like. Um, oh, no, just, stuff. okay, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there was a, there is a, and there was a chaplain called Chris something. I'll, I'll look into it. Yeah, yeah, no, chaplains were a big thing, weren't they? And I don't know if they are, or maybe they're just not talked about anymore. Another spin off right. episode. Hey, there we've we got go. a whole summer to fill. So maybe we can do one on club chaplains and stuff like that. Um, let's wrap up. I think that's runners and losers done, isn't it? So let's, let's, uh, no, did you do a loser, Joe? I didn't. I quickly let's think of one. I feel like Lukonga's probably felt a bit glum after that performance. Grew into the game, I thought. Couldn't fault effort, but you know, slips at a key time for what would have been quite a big chance. Yeah, mm-hmm. gets a gets a yellow that's kind of hamstrung his approach a bit, and he's then hooked on an hour. 
in a game where I suppose if he was playing well, he would have simply stayed on. Um, and, you know, that's probably... The, it, there's a scenario where that's the last time we see him. And this this loan spell just hasn't worked out for him at all so far. I feel for him. You know, he, he looked good at Brentford when he played and made some other good, exciting appearances. And it felt like that could be the difference for us. But, you know, in the same way that I remember him from the Arsenal documentary being highlighted how glum he was there because he wasn't getting games. I think he was gutted when Vieira left. I imagine he came here because of him. Yeah, yeah. He was one of the only players I can remember doing a proper farewell message to Vieira. Thanks for making yeah. me smile again. <laughs> yeah. And he's immediately back on the bench. And, you know, I, that's just, yeah. He's probably already thinking about the summer. I'm not going to be at Arsenal. I'm definitely not going to be at Palace. So what? What's what's next for him? Yeah, just a bad... That's you know, if, yeah. That's how, I guess that's football. But that's football. How's your how's your luck? That and and again, we talked earlier about the turnaround of mentality. Uh, someone whose season turned around. I mean, literally with one phone call from Steve to Patrick has, has yeah. turned around Lakonga's season because we were raving about him, you know, on previous yeah. pods and yeah, and and did have an, a half volley, didn't he? That was well saved by the keeper as well. Yes, but, but you're right, and luck's not quite with him. So. um It'll be interesting to see where his career takes him. Um, but where the pod's going to take us now is into our final break before we then come back to preview the early kickoff on Saturday against West Ham. Welcome back to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Pod four seventy final part where we preview the next game. Just the one game this week. Home to West Ham, twelve thirty kickoff. I think, yeah, the early kickoff on Saturday. Um, I should say we're sponsored, of course, by our friends at Eternity Home Finance. Uh, from getting on the property ladder to planning your retirement. Hey, note, Roy. Uh, email info at eternityhomefinance.com and quote the code FYP for a free consultation. Um, Yes, West Ham at home, uh, who are currently playing. This is, again, the slight issue with midweek games. Is it is it very difficult to do a pod that's up to date for any longer than about 12 hours? Uh, they are currently 2-1 down at home to Liverpool. Not a game I think they had expected to get much from. But, Joe, they did win 4-0 at Bournemouth at the weekend. A big result for them. Uh, does that influence... Anything from Palace's side this weekend? Does that make you slightly more nervous about West Ham coming? Because I think this probably was, you know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, looking like a very winnable game for Palace. Yeah, but I, I can't remember us having a great record against them for ages, but especially at home. I, I, we've, you know, we've had some interest in, you know, the late, the we had a late winner against them this season, which was fun. There was that, Wilf equaliser late on years ago at home that I can remember. But I mean, I think under Vieira, didn't we go 3 0 down in the first half and sell yes. us to them? Yeah, Declan Rice was absolutely super. Yeah, and that was another one of those like uh, Luca having a nightmare, like a kind of just like caught the ball in the box. I can remember that. And Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but weirdly, I mean, we played, we played well in that second half. I think it finished 3 2 and we ran them really yeah. close. But yeah, that to my point, I, I think we've always had quite rotten luck against them, and I don't. 
So I never go into the games confident against West Ham as as level as on par as they they might feel with us in the table anyway. They've always got exciting players. Pakatar seems to have finally picked up form and you know these players they play pay a fortune for look like value for money or when they only when they play Palace it feels like like it's like Lanzini doesn't ever play for Man- West Ham except against Palace and he'll tend to score like there's weird stuff like that. So I'm you know, I'm I'm cautious. I'm you know, I always try and stay optimistic with Palace, but it's pretty cautiously optimistic given the context. You know, Wolf will be back, and you know, I don't expect West Ham to sit back. I think they'll probably feel like they need to get something from it, possibly. So let's hope that the the Fulham result has uh, given them a full sense of confidence, and they really open up against us. So. Uh... As you mentioned our record, I went straight on to Google and I Googled it. Um, and we actually... I, I feel like we usually do quite well there. It's We went through a few seasons where we won like 3-0 there. They'd yeah. win 3-0 at Selhurst. And that seemed to happen a couple of years in a row. Is that West Ham? Yeah, no, that's, that's pretty much it. So basically, since December 2013, we've only beaten them at home once. And that was the yeah. Shamrock. I think the first time was that Pulis season. No, that was that. That was the Shamrock. December twenty thirteen. That would have been that the first Pulis season. season. So poss- yeah. Possibly yeah. Shamrock. Yeah, possibly Shamrock. And then the mo- the other one. It looks like, and correct me if I'm wrong, people, because I'm sort of reading this live. Was December twenty nineteen? Beat them two one. Oh, the IU IU Boxing Day. Yeah, IU Boxing Day, and we also beat them away that season to, to, to the double over them. Um, that season but other than that it is a barren spell at their place and if actually against them in general because before the win the Elise goal this season our only other win uh barring that double season in 2019 was 2015 away the 3-1 when Murray scored twice um yeah. so you're, you're talking about that, four or five results in a decade yeah 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 exactly it's it's all L's and D's as the kids would say <laughs> um so it's yeah, so Grace, you're you're right. It's 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 actually, but you know what? No time like the present to change that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they've yeah they've definitely picked up recently, haven't they? I think before tonight, they'd only lost one of their last six league games after there was all that talk about um, Moyes, etc. And I mean, for all that talk we had earlier of ambitions of Europe, sometimes that then hamstrings your. Um, mm domestic season which it seems to have with them but they seem to have have found their way back a bit and the likes of sort of Bowen and that have picked up a bit more whereas they went through he went through a bit of a a dry spell um but yeah it'd be good good to have Wilf back I think that after the the Leicester Leeds Southampton games and then obviously uh Everton and Wolves but the teams have started to figure out a bit more the Elise as a sort of are you plan and if we can sort of throw Wilf back into the mix, it just gives us, well, it doesn't just give us that. We know he brings a lot more than anything I can put in the words just. Um, but more of that creative outlet. He's usually, I think, quite good against West Ham. Um, I'm sure he'll, I mean, everyone boos him, don't they? I'm sure they're, they're no different to anyone else, which always gets him firing, especially after he's had a few weeks off, which we all know that he hates with a passion. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know, but then there's the, the curse of the early kickoff, which can make or break a weekend pretty early on, can't it? Um, 
But that's a, that's I mean, a very FPL thing to say, by the way, guys, because they say <laughs> in the FPL community, never back the early kickoff. Um, it, it does seem to have a weird sort of curse on it. Um, Joe, do we know much about Wilf return then? Do we know? Um, the there? there was an Instagram post uh, on the Instagram story from Wilf that essentially said, you know, he's, I can't, I can't remember the phrasing of it, but it was something... Out, out of the gulag, wasn't it? Out, out of the gulag, oh thank God. you, Grace. <laughs> I had to ask my boyfriend what it meant. <laughs> yeah, very, very much a, a, a Call of Duty reference rather <laughs> right, than, okay. you know, historical yeah. gulag so, references. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, good. Good. <laughs> yeah, but, for, those, for, those, for those that, yeah, rather than the actual, like, literal historical yeah, definition. Yeah, that's what I was... I'm, yeah, because I'm, I'm not sure... Wilf would use that in that context if he knew. No, I don't know. I don't know how good his Russian history is, but no. On um, <laughs> on on Call of Duty games, uh, in those kind of big battle royales that you play online, right? Um, if you die, you have a multiple lives. But if you die the first time, you get put into this kind of what is called the gulag, right? And you are you basically fight for the right to get back onto the field of the like the okay. battle royale. So he's essentially implied that you know he's ready and he's at least back training properly. So I appreciate that that context, Joe. Actually, because I am forty next year, so I had li- I had no welcome. idea about that. But um, I thank you. I'm sure there's other people listening as well who appreciate that explainer there. Yeah. So yeah, that that's that's Rosie. That it gave me positive. It's the only positive version of talking about gulags, put it yeah. that way. Um, so I'm you know, there's interesting quote from Hodgson prior to the Wolves game, where I think he said, you know, despite it, I think you have to be, as well as everybody's played, you have to be realistic about these things. When Wolf is fit, Wolf plays. Yeah. Which is as assertive as I think you're ever going to get, Roy, on those kind of post-pre-match press conference questions, unless you call him an old shoe. But <laughs> I, I, I think everyone, I think you'll see the difference of it. I think IU, actually, that might be the most interesting thing. You might see IU instead to forward again which he flourished under Roy one season um because I don't think he deserves to be dropped but equally I think Wilf should start so I, what I don't want is Wilf in a nine and with wide with IU wide of him yeah I think we've no thanks we've, we've, we don't want to see that and I think as a left of a front three which we also saw on Tuesday that was Roy's first taste of that yeah it's a front three and I think we won't see that again because we already knew that, but he might not have. Um, and interesting, I, I, without focusing too much on the opposition, had a look at West Ham's fixtures. So after us on Saturday, they go away to Man City on Wednesday. They then have Manchester United on a Sunday. They then have their European semifinals. Either side of those is a trip to Brentford on a Sunday. Then they have Leeds at home and Leicester away. There is no way they want to get to the last two games of the season yeah. needing to win both of those. And if you're being realistic about it, they're probably, if they're going to give the European thing a push, they're probably going to rest players in that Brentford game or have to go for it and stretch themselves. Um, which means that they are going to be looking at Saturday as a game they have to get something from again. Yeah. Um, so, it's a question of whether it's a, a lead style, they're taking way more risks uh, to get three points or whether it's an Everton situation where they're like, one is enough. We just take what we can get. Um, it's going to be a really interesting game, I think. You know, you don't want to dictate too much based on what the other team are thinking, but I think it's, it's just, that's what makes this running really interesting for us as well as the other sides that we're playing is that 
they're all really important to at least one team now. There are no gimmies. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, looking at the table, so yeah, they're on 34. And I'm looking at that thinking, oh, yeah, no, they're, um, they're still in it. And we're on 37. And I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah, no, we're fine. We're all right. <laughs> it is tight. It is tight down there. But um, yeah, I hadn't appreciated their running. That is very interesting. So it'll be interesting to see how they come out on on Saturday. Um, and again, they're the only side really down there bar Forest who haven't pressed the nuclear button, you know, gone nuclear option and sat the manager yet, which, well, you know, that Forest will be thinking that that might have worked for them so far because they're currently 3-1 up against Brighton going into the final minute. So that is a big win for them as well. Um Steve Cooper had shown himself to be the Palace candidate with each uh, a, bright, a Brighton win is you know that's that's exactly what we're looking that for. Already makes him a Palace legend without even taking yeah. the job. Uh, good stuff, thanks guys. Well, we're we'll back next week, of course, to review that um, West Ham game. Patrons will get a an immediate post match pod, of course, um, in their feeds. Guys, it's been lovely chatting to you. Thank you very much, uh, Grace. Well, just I, I was going to applaud then. That feels um, that feels condescending, but <laughs> fantastic, a fantastic few days for you. Well done. So just uh, yeah, you deserve a rest. So go and I don't know, rest up. But you, yeah, <laughs> thanks for joining us and thanks for your efforts. And we will put the link below um, for people if they want to donate to your um, your fundraising as well from from the marathon. Uh, and Joe, great to have you on as ever. Um, really appreciate your time. Uh, and that's it. Enjoy the rest of your week. What's left of it, everyone? And we'll see you again next week. Uh, until then, take care. Goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network.